0: Thank you for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And remember, time waits for no one. From the studios of ninety-seven point one, the Sports Animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. And coming up on today's show, we'll talk about the latest edition out of the transfer portal for OU General Booty, the quarterback out of Tyler Junior College, and I'll tell you why. Despite the fact that he's a JUCO kid, I'm more excited about having him on campus. Than I am Davis Bevel out of Pitt. I said that right. Davis Bevel, right? Okay. Anyway, we'll also discuss in segment number two, and we don't talk a lot of college basketball. In fact, we don't talk about a lot of other sports than football on this podcast, but there's a major issue that Porter Moser and every other college basketball coach is facing. We'll talk about how to fix that as best we can. And in segment number two, last week we gave you Jake Trotter from ESPN talking about Baker Mayfield, so this week we even it up and give you Zach Lancaster from pokesreport.com. So going back to the formula that we originally tried on this podcast, which is OU in the first half, OSU in the second half, and I hope, whether you're a poke or a Sooner, You enjoy this show. And real quick, I want to introduce myself. I'm Eric G. from the Sports Animal in Tulsa, the co-host of the Pat Jones Show. If you haven't heard us, please listen on 97.1, the Sports Animal in Tulsa, 101.1 or 96.1. And we've got our website, sportsanimalradio.com. You can also download our app for your phone. Well, OU adds another quarterback via the transfer portal this time. It is General Booty out of Tyler Junior College. Now, this kid has a very interesting story. If you don't know already, and I'll tell you, maybe you've read this, but I'll tell you again anyway, he went to four different high schools. Now, normally, that is a red flag because you start to think about Buki Radley Hiles and all the different high schools he went to, plus... That has just become a norm today. Kids hopping from one place to another, looking for a better opportunity. And you wonder why the transfer portal is so active. It's because kids are willing to jump ship and transfer in high school. It happens. I'm not completely sure that that is the case for General Booty. He may have had more legitimate reasons to move between California and Texas than most other kids did. All right, So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. It does kind of worry me that he wasn't all that highly recruited coming out of high school and he wasn't all that highly recruited after an amazing year at Tyler Junior College. In fact, the other people knocking on his door besides OU were the likes of New Mexico, McNeese State, Nichols State, Presbyterian. Those were the people that were wanting general booty. That being said, I'm doing backflips over this guy compared to Davis Bevel from Pitt. And if you want to know what we thought of Davis Bevel, I'm not going to repeat it on this show, but I would just simply ask you to listen to our podcast from last week because we got some pretty good intel on him, and you can find out there. But in one season, yes, it is junior college, and you can't make too much out of these numbers, but he did throw for over 3,100 yards, 25 touchdowns, and last October versus Navarro, he threw for 528 yards. Now, Again, it's junior college competition. All these people that he's playing against could be bad or not even be able good enough to play at the FBS level, but that is a ton of stats to rack up. More importantly for OU, more than anything about having General Booty, more Davis Bevel on campus, is the fact that Jeff Levy is going to want to run the quarterbacks way more than Lincoln Riley ever did. Lincoln Riley liked to protect the quarterbacks, Jeff Levy wants to run them. In fact, if you can find some old film, actually you wouldn't have to it wouldn't be old film, just go on YouTube, see what Jalen Hurts did for O.U. and then look at Lincoln Riley on the sidelines. Lincoln Riley was never fully comfortable with the kind of quarterback that Jalen Hurts was, but he knew that Jalen Hurts gave OU the best chance to win. When you're going to run the quarterback more, it means guys are going to get nicked up more, and God forbid they get injured. So you need as many scholarship guys in the room as possible, which today is difficult because nowadays you get a scholarship quarterback, you bring him in, they find out that they're going to be number two on the depth chart or they're going to have to wait a year or whatever the deal is, then they automatically jump in the portal. What you hope by getting a guy like Davis Bevel – Who is never really was a starter at Pitt, wasn't going to start at Pitt, is not going to start at OU, you hope that he's just happy to be on campus somewhere and get a scholarship. You hope that General Booty, who was not very highly recruited out of high school or JUCO, is happy to be on campus and is willing to accept his role because in all likelihood, Matt Evers is going to be the number two guy. But if you want to redshirt him, And that's still, in my opinion, the redshirt still isn't a bad thing because it gives kids a chance to grow. And I know that you only get them for three years, and if you redshirt them, maybe you only get the opportunity to play them for two if they're good enough to go to the NFL, but it also gives them an opportunity to mature. So if you have to redshirt Matt Evers, all right, and he plays in his four games, it doesn't hurt to have these guys on campus. Now, as far as what I saw from General Booty, and I couldn't find any film from him at Tyler Jr. College, so I was just looking at his highlights from Allen. Not blazing speed. He can run the ball, but he's certainly not fast. I wouldn't think that he he's not faster than Dylan Gabriel, certainly not faster than Spencer Sanders, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield. He's generally just got okay speed. All right, And against the competition that he was playing at, which was the highest level in Texas, he could outrun kids, but he lacks that extra gear sometimes you want people who run with the ball to have, whether it's receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, whoever. As far as his arm strength goes, it's almost like a repeat of Dylan Gabriel. It's good, but it's not great. Um, A couple of times he did cock his arm all the way back to throw long balls. I'd still prefer that the ball leave his hand right about his ear. Um, He can throw across his body pretty well. Um, When he doesn't, launch his arm all the way back he's got a nice he's got a nice easy release so for some of the concerns that you might have I think this kid has a chance to be a pretty good college football player now what does that mean well that means that maybe he's a spot player maybe he's only playing in garbage time maybe he's only playing backup maybe he's only playing in emergency situations but those guys are people that you want to come in and not screw things up. And I think that's what you've got in General Booty. Not to mention, look, as far as names goes, even if he never plays a down at OU, he's already in top three of the names uh, with Elvis Peacock and Caesar Rente and Buster Rhymes. Peacock's number one. Pick who you want between Buster Rhymes and Rente for number two. And then there's General Booty. So maybe it's top four, and maybe the fact that it's General Booty he vaults himself to number two. And let's face it, there are a lot, a lot of nil opportunities for this kid, especially if the folks at Valley Brook. And if you don't know what Valley Brook is, if you're not from OU, if you're just an OU fan, um, or you're not, if you're not an, o, if you're just an OSU fan, and you're not from Oklahoma or you're not from Central Oklahoma, look up what Valley Brook is. Because General Booty could certainly be reporting for duty. Yeah, yeah, I said it. And I know I'm not the first one. Probably not going to be the last. But there's so much you could do with this kid. And hopefully, he gets some fun NIL opportunities and can take advantage of that name. Hopefully, Porter Moser can start taking advantage of the transfer portal. Because it's certainly taking advantage of him. Um, Just counting the players that OU has lost. Through the transfer portal this year. Five, five players through the transfer portal. Now they've gotten, they've made a little bit up with two from the portal. And then you get uh, Luke North, um, Northweather out of Missouri, the power forward out of Missouri, who's a freshman this year to kind of fill in some of the gaps. Porter Moser, I, <laughs> Porter is about to be like Billy Donovan. If you don't know the story of Billy Donovan, he had more turnover than anybody in the NBA during his five years with the Thunder. And all the guy did was was seem to win. Porter Moser is having a hell of a time building a, a program at OU through no fault of his own, and it's really just the transfer portal. And this is a problem not only for him, but for every college coach in the country, which is one of the reasons why. And don't get mad at me when I say this if you're an ex-athlete. It's one of the reasons why you have got to put in the clause that says kids have to sit out a year Because they have to at least think about it. all right? They have to think. We're not saying you can't transfer, and I would add an extra year of eligibility to that. But if you make them sit a year, then you've at least got an opportunity to build a program. And unlike professional sports, these kids in college, they don't sign contracts. So they can get tampered with and everything else, and you lose them, you just lose them. But if you're Porter Moser, my advice to him and any other college basketball coach would be, and look, I'm a guy that talks on a microphone for a living, so obviously I know what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, roll your eyes at that because that you were intended to. But I'm not trying to build a program if I'm a college basketball coach. If I'm Mike Boyden, if I'm Porter Moser, anybody. Um, there's no There's no reason to try and build a program if you're not a blue blood. In fact... You've almost got to treat every year like you're going to have a brand new team in, and you just look for the best talent you can possibly get out of the transfer portal, roll them out on the court, and hope that they win. And yeah, that's nuts. That is absolutely nuts. And that is a surefire way to guarantee you, within a five-year span, at least a couple of losing seasons or at least a couple of subpar seasons, Where you're on the bubble or not making it into the NCAA tournament, but really there's not much you can do right now. And as long as the transfer portal's out of whack and the NIL is there for people to be induced by, or kids are just miserable, you know, they're just upset with their playing time and they think that they're going to have a better opportunity or they think they're going to have a better opportunity someplace else, you're powerless to do it. And you're going to be waking up every single day finding out from someone that, hey, so-and-so's in the portal or so-and-so's leaving. And I've heard all the arguments about, well, coaches don't have to sit out a year. But no, coaches have a buyout clause. And a lot of times, they have to pay the money from that buyout clause. You don't have the schools doing it. And don't give me this, well, the bigger schools do it. Yes, some do. But Michigan didn't do it for John Beeline, and they didn't do it for Rich Rodriguez when they left West Virginia, and Jay Norville, former OU coach, had to pay his buyout when he left to go from Nevada to Colorado State. So what you need in some way, shape, or form is a contract, a binding contract between the player and the school. And I've always said this, any contract, the best contracts in the world are when both people stand to lose something major for it because then it keeps you from getting fired. And from the boss's standpoint, it keeps you from leaving. If both people can be mutually miserable and mutually happy at the same time, those are the best contracts. And right now in college sports, we don't have that because the kids aren't going to be mutually miserable. They can just leave whenever they want, and I'm sorry. It's just not done what it's intended to do, and it's made college sports worse. It hasn't made it better. Coming up next, Oklahoma State has the best player in the Big 12 Conference. We'll tell you who that is. And we'll get you filled in on all the major questions surrounding OSU this coming fall with Zach Lancaster from PokesReport.com. You're listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast, Bedlam Edition.
1: Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo, the owner of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Before it continues, just want to let you know that we are launching a podcast network focusing uh, more specifically on various Big 12 teams. I have my show, Heartland College Sports, which you can find anywhere you get your podcasts. That is an overview of the Big 12, but we are going more specific by team or state, and uh, that's what this show is about, and we've got many more coming your way as well. So be sure to search for them, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. The Heartland College Sports Network is launching, and we appreciate you guys sharing it, listening to it, and spreading the word. Appreciate you.
0: We welcome to the Heartland College Sports Bedlam Podcast. My first official guest for this show. Now, we had Jake Trotter on last week, but, I mean, admittedly, that was lifted uh, from the show that Pat Jones and I do. So exclusively for the podcast, we have Zach Lancaster from PokesReport.com. And Zach, not only an extra reporter, but a guy that I'm proud to call a friend. And uh, Zach, look... I love covering Oklahoma State. I love getting to hang out with you. Unfortunately, that did not happen during the spring game. Overall, and I guess it really wasn't a spring game. It was more of a more of a practice. What are the big two or three things that really stood out to you in Stillwater on that Saturday?
1: Well, first of all, I'm blushing, so <laughs> I'll just and that's not because I have red hair. Um, yeah, I, it, you know it's it's really hard to say. Honestly, you know, I mean, they, they struggled with offensive line depth throughout the spring. You know, you had uh, Eli Russ go down with a, with a knee injury at the end of the spring practice. Uh, Spencer, you know, Spencer was never going to go out there and, you know, be, be completely dominant. You know, it, 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 it was, a, and honestly, I don't even know if I'd call it a practice. I think I would call it a glorified practice because um, you didn't, you really didn't get to see much. You got to see some of the younger guys. Uh, but the off I think they had I think, I think I'm pretty sure it was less than 10 healthy offensive linemen so you got to see some you know little 11 on 11 but I mean the first snap of 11 on 11 your big four star you know 6 to 220 pound running back Ollie Gordon goes down with a shoulder injury and you're thinking like, well uh, this this should be the end of practice uh, and, and Mike continued with the 11 on 11 and then they moved it to 7 on 7 I will say uh, I think the most uh, promising thing that that I that, that came out of that spring practice is that the injuries that were suffered, you know, like Ollie Gordon, uh, they said it was just like a shoulder strain. You know, Mike told us afterwards that had it been a game, they would have, you know, they would have felt comfortable sending him back in. And that with Eli Russ, I mean, Eric, it was a it was a pretty nasty looking injury. I mean, he was down for about five minutes. He could put no weight on that knee at all. They had to bring like the trainers had to get offensive linemen. Uh, off the field to help take him to the sidelines, um, and and come to find out, it was just like a knee bruise. You know, he'll be unfortunately for him, he'll be back in time to do stadium stairs this summer. Uh, so, I, I think uh, I, to me, that was probably the most uh, the most positive thing that I took out of the spring
0: game. When, when you talk to Mike Gundy, considering the fact that they were really thin, uh, especially on the on the offensive line, did he feel? Ultimately, that he got everything that he wanted to out of this spring, or does even he have some lingering questions right now?
1: No, I mean I think that I think this spring went the way Mike wanted it to go. Obviously, you would have you would have loved to have had you know a guy like Jark Bernard Converse back. You know, you would have loved to have had a guy like Tanner McAllister back. But this spring, you know, and, and he talked about it almost almost every week we talked to him, and then there at the, at the very end after the practice, you know, he kept, he kept referencing guys like John Paul Richardson or guys like Colin Oliver, guys that showed up in January of 2020 that or of, of January of 21 that got an extra He basically equated it to like a full season in because they showed up, they got off season workouts and then they got, you know, several hundred snaps throughout the spring. And that's why they were ready in the fall and that's kind of the situation that we got this spring. Yeah, the offensive line was, you know, was incredibly thin, but they're going to have 25 at least 25 on campus when it comes to when it comes to fall camp. I don't think depth there is going to be an issue. You know, you got some of the younger safeties, a lot of work. You got some of the younger corners, a lot of work. You got some of your younger linebackers, a lot of work. And and honestly, to me, I think linebacker and probably the secondary linebackers in the secondary were my more three of my bigger questions because you lose guys like you know christian holmes devin harper malcolm rodriguez all three of those guys are in the nfl you know you lose a tanner McAllister, a jarg bernard to the transfer portal but you have younger guys like jabbar muhammad Corey black you've got guys on the back end like thomas harper you're obviously returning you know jake Taylor who is I think Jason is poised to have a massive year I think he's a you know a a potential defensive player of the year type candidate when it when it comes to this upcoming year so you didn't get your questions answered but I I think the positive thing is that you didn't leave spring with more questions than you had going in.
0: We are speaking with Zach Lancaster from pokesreport.com here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition and um, Zach when you look at The the line, I think the big thing for me is, one, how quickly they gel. And it took them a little bit last year, but when they did, it was fine. And that always brings up the the question for running backs. Ollie Gordon kind of got the most, he got the most hype or the most press out of of what happened this spring. It feels like that running back is going to be a huge part of the offense again this year. Um, are you confident that within the first three games we'll see the line come together or could it take them a little bit longer? Uh,
1: that's, a re- that's a really good question. I-, I think that figuring out the offensive line in-, in concert with figuring out running backs is probably the biggest question that I have. And not in the terms of are they going to be successful or could they be good, but you just don't really know because, you know, your most of your starters from last year that returned were out all spring. You didn't know what they looked like. Uh, you've landed two transfers. You're getting Jason Brooks Jr. out of Vanderbilt. You know, he's 6'5", 300. He's played Division One college football against SEC offenses. You know, am I predicting that he's going to be all Big 12 and the most dominant offensive lineman that Oklahoma State's ever had? No, but with his experience and size, he should show up ready to compete for uh, a, a, either a starter or he he should compete for that two D. Casey Collier, six seven three ten out of USC. He's a bit more complexing because he didn't have a lot of to- playing time at USC. But when you look at the returners, you know obviously they you know they look solid. I, I think that it's just going to be a question of where guys fit in. I think Tyrone Weber out of New Mexico military, he's an absolute, just a, he's a baller. He's an animal when the, when the ball is snapped. And I, I think he's going to play a factor. So it's, it's going to be interesting, but you don't have a Jalen Warren, you know, you, you, I don't know what the Texas A&M transfer DeAndre Jackson is going to be able to do. Um, he, you know, he, went to a, a, a really solid high school. He was good out of high school, just never, uh, never could break the, the depth chart down at Texas A&M. But they've had some really good running backs down in, in College Station. So where does he fit into the equation? Does Dominic Richardson, does he, is he able to step up and, and have that breakout season? And then where do the younger guys play in? You know, where where are you going to get guys like Jaden Nixon, who I think Jaden has the potential. He's got size. He's, he's incredibly quick. You know, he's, he's physical but shifty. And then you look at guys like Ollie Gordon. I'm not going to put any pressure on Ollie. Just because he looks, you know, the part. You know, he's 6'2", 6'3", on a good day, 220. I think Mike said he can play anywhere between 230 and 240, which is just insane, and he's still incredibly fast. But I'm not. He's a true freshman. He hasn't played at this level. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say by the end of the year he's going to be a starter. But where does he fit into the equation? So offensive line and running backs for me are probably probably the biggest question. In just that there's there's some unknowns right now.
0: Zach Lancaster from Pokes Report joining us here on the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. It doesn't happen often, Zach but Oklahoma State has the best player in the Big 12, and I'll fight anyone who disagrees, and that's Colin Oliver. When you look at this kid and what he did last year with the exceeding expectations, and I think at one point I think he was leading the Big 12 in sacks. How much growth are we going to see, or how much growth have you seen from Colin Oliver from when, when Oklahoma State played Notre Dame to what you were seeing this spring?
1: Yeah, it- Colin is, Colin's a freak, you know, it's, you know, you and I, we were, you know, let me, let me take you back, you know, spring game 2021, it was you, me and Marshall Evanson and we were standing up in the booth and, you know, you were like, well, who, who can I watch for? are just some of the younger guys? And, you know, Marshall looked at you and said, Colin Oliver. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, really. I mean, this kid is, this kid is good. I'll be the first to admit, yes, I told you that Colin Oliver would be good. I never ever thought that he would do what he did this past year. I mean, we're, he was a, a finalist for the Freshman of the Year, unanimous Big 12 Defensive uh, Freshman of the Year. You know, the unanimous All American. Uh, I mean, it, it was just just insane, you know. And he's he's stronger. He's more sure of himself, and that's that's saying a lot because you you know you look at what he did this past year. I mean, he set an OSU freshman record: eleven and a half sacks. I think he was seventh. Yeah, seventh in, a, in the FBS in sacks as a, as a true freshman. So, but to me, the scarier, the scarier thought, and I, you can attest to this, you know, being from the Edmund area, you're getting a guy like Trey Ford back.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what is in the water at Santa Fe, but I mean, it's, you throw Calvin Bundage into the mix and this, you know, the, the Oklahoma State to Santa Fe pipeline is, Man, one of the one of the better ones I think we've seen in a long time. But you've got guys like Colin Oliver and Trace Ford and and oh Tyler Lacey and Brock Martin and you know Cody Walterscheid and you throw Brennan Evers and Tony Oxy into the mix and and I know I'm forgetting some because I always do, but I really don't think there's going to be a better defensive line in the Big 12 than what we're going to see with Oklahoma State because it's all they're all proven guys. You know, it's, it's not like, well, we need this guy to step up. He's kind of been a little lackluster. I mean, this line has the potential to be better than last year's line, and they were really, really good. I don't know if this is going to be the best defensive line in the, in the country, but I think this has an opportunity of being one of the better defensive lines in the country, and it, it starts with guys like Colin Oliver, Trace Ford, Brock Martin, Tyler Lacey, Cody Wall. I mean, there's just the list goes on and on. So, yeah, Col- Colin Oliver – Colin is going to make a lot of money in a few years. They, they, I'm sure he's making good. You know, I, I can attest. He's, he's, we we've, we we uh, folks report we had a nil deal with Colin a couple weeks after the spring game uh, for a, an appearance. Colin's making good money nil. He's he's going to make a lot of money in the NFL.
0: Zach Lancaster with us here, and uh, Zach, I know you got a show to do, but um, let's get into some obligatory questions that we ha- that we have to. One, cornerbacks. Um, Somewhat of a concern for Oklahoma State fans this year. How confident are you that the uh, cornerbacks can step up when they need to?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know what the depth is going to look like. But when you, like Jabbar Muhammad and Corey Black, if you look at what they did down the stretch, obviously, Jar Bernard Converse and, and Christian Holmes, very, very good corners. But when you look at Jabbar Muhammad and Corey Black, they, they're, they're physical, they have the size, they have the strength. Um, they, you know, they they have what it takes to be really solid corners in the Big Twelve, and and it's a testament to what Tim Duffy's done. I mean, Tim is easily the the best recruiter on this roster, and that's saying a lot considering you have know, Casey Dunn and all the receivers that they've put out. But I, I'm not, I, I'm really not concerned about corner, at least the two starting corners. I, I need to see what the depth looks like, but.
0: The other question, um, the other obligatory question, comes from uh, Spencer Sanders, and I was reading in CBS Sports where they think he can kind of be Kenny Pickett this year. They figure that he's a guy that can can make that kind of a jump. So, uh, look, the interceptions, that's been talked about to death. Where does Spencer Sanders need to improve if he's going to go from being a guy that is, you know, most likely day two and beyond pick to a possibly first-round draft pick in the NFL?
1: Mm. Well, I think in order, and I'm I'm going to say this, uh, I'm going to preface this by saying that I, I think Spencer has grown leaps and bounds. You know, I, I think, I think what he did this past year, you know, I mean, he is the, the first team all big 12, you know, he's the, the quarterback of the, you know, the best quarterback in the big 12 this past year. Um, he was one of the, one of the, the nation's leaders when it comes to you know few amount fewer amounts of sacks, you know he, he I, if he, if I can take you back to the fourth quarter against Texas, to me that's when the the switch flipped, and then we really saw mature Spencer against Iowa State. I with with all that being said, and and I I hope I'm not creating like harmful bull, bulletin board material. I hope that you know if Spencer hears this, he's not like I'm not talking to this kid anymore, but. I don't know if Spencer is a first round draft pick. I, I think that he would need to, you know, he, his speed would ha- he'd have to be faster. He'd have to be a little bit bigger. But when you look at how solid he was last year, you know, he started throwing the ball away against Iowa State. You know, he wasn't he wasn't trying to force passes. You know, he was he wasn't making boneheaded decisions. Yes, the interceptions against Baylor. I'm not sure what it is with Baylor, but those obviously need to be cleaned up. But, I mean, he, he got the team within three inches of, you know, winning a Big 12 championship. And then, obviously, the, the, the performance we saw from him against Notre Dame was, was spectacular. Easily one of the best quarterback performances we've seen out of an Oklahoma State quarterback in school history. You know, the largest comeback, you knock off a, a top-10 Notre Dame team, a, a top-five all-time powerhouse. So, I mean, and, and you look at the plays that Spencer made on the ground, you know, he's the reason that he wasn't sacked a whole lot. The offensive line wasn't terrible, but there were some collapses at the time, and, and he made plays on the ground. I hope that Spencer could work his way into a first-round pick, but I, I think if we, see, if we see improved Spencer from the second half of last year, you know, and that's where we start, because I think that was the big question, is if the, if the cheese at Bull Spencer against Miami shows up in game one, then that's going to be huge for the season. And it took them a little bit to get back to that level. If we get Notre Dame-Spencer game one, the sky's the limit for this season.
0: Thank you to Zach Lancaster of pokesreport.com for joining us. You can always read Zach's stuff at pokesreport.com. He's also got a show on Triple Play Sports down in Stillwater. And I do want to mention his podcast, which is the Pokes Report podcast, which you can find at pokesreport.com. And Zach does an excellent job. Thanks again, Zach, for uh, being my inaugural guest that I didn't just rip from the radio show. Appreciate that. Thank you very much for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Bedlam Edition. May God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote the great Diamond David Lee Roth, stay frosty.